Yeah, so here's what my conviction is. Your children will see pornography. They will see it. They will encounter it. That is Mm. without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. But your children will have the chance to interact with that in a variety of different ways. I never got addicted to pornography proper because my mom spent a lot of time talking to me about the dangers of Mm. it before I ever encountered it. What's up, my friends? My name is Beto Gudiño, and today we're going to be talking about that topic, okay? We're going to include possibly masturbation, sex, and P-O-R-N. Are you guys ready for this? Okay, here we go. Okay, so today we have on the show Jacob Valk and John Michael Bout. And they just produced an amazing visual resource to help people deal with this problem, sexual problem of pornography. Okay, so welcome guys. How are you guys doing? Welcome to the show. Great. Thanks so much for having us. Man, we appreciate you having us on. <laughs> okay, so this is how we're going to kick off the episode. We're going to go to the emoji tombola to have an emoji reaction okay so here's the emoji tombola and today we kick off the episode with the blasphemous emoji blasphemous emoji so my friends jacob and john michael why is this a blasphemous idea what what's the idea behind this emoji on our conversation today. Yeah, mate. Hey, this works really well. So we're here to talk about pornography and pornography is about as blasphemous as it gets. And so, you know, pornography is a huge problem. I'm sure like, you know, you know, this, it's something that affects so many people in the church, so many men and women in the church. And so, you know, with a problem as bad and as dangerous, as pervasive as pornography, it's blasphemous. It's the only thing that works. All right. And Michael, you want to add to that? <laughs> I think even bringing this topic up is blasphemous for many church contexts. So, but this conversation needs to be had and we're pumped that you're having us on to talk about it. Wow. That's so good. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. And yes, it is a shocking idea. And as you said, I think um, as it relates to the church, I have friends who have confessed to me, I mean, kind of like in, in private settings, right, where where this issue comes up all the time and it's either, you know, I'm struggling or I struggle with it and, you know, now I'm free from pornography. But I find it not that I never experienced it, right, but um, I find it almost shocking that it seems like a really big percent of the Christian population in a sense are undergoing like this, this trouble of, you know, Mm. having to deal with pornography. So that strikes me already as, um, 
you know, a hard topic to talk about. Maybe like you said, Michael, that you no, know, maybe not every church likes to talk about, and maybe even the church setting might be, I don't know, conflicting to talk about these matters. But that's why we have podcasts, and that's why we want to have this podcast as a resource for people to say, mm -hmm. okay, this issue, whether or not you, whether or not um, no, you like it or you're going to talk about it or it's taboo. It's persistent within the Christian community. And I think that's why it's necessary to talk about it. And that's why we got to just like tackle it head on. Mm. And I like, love that you said it also involves women, right? And I think you guys have a visual resource that's almost like like part teaching and part um, um, message of hope, right? Mm. With mm. excellent teachers and authors. And then it, it also narrates the story of a couple, right? A, a man and a woman who who underwent the struggle of pornography themselves. So tell me a little bit about this resource that you have uh, created. Maybe the you, as you talk maybe about the need that you find in the church to talk about this, but also maybe that inclusion of, hey, women also face this issue, right? And so tell yeah. me about what, what the resource, resource is called. And why did you find the need to create it specifically as a as a video mm. tool? Yeah, how about I give you I'll, just quickly? I'll give you the ten thousand foot view, mm. and then also our testimony, our story with addiction to sexual sin and pornography is a huge component of why we wanted to build this. So this resource is called Into the Light, and it's a teaching documentary, and that's kind of what like you're saying. It's part teaching resource, part film. It's a teaching documentary on freedom from pornography. So it walks through that process of change from bondage and sexual sin to freedom in Christ. And it contains these incredible, so many incredible authors, speakers, and writers like Garrett Kell, Deepak Reju, um, uh, Ellen Dicast, like I mean, some incredible speakers, men and women. And so, yeah, the story of how we got here is, is, is pretty intense. Do you want to go, you want to, you want to kick that off? Yeah, honestly, like just sharing my own story. Um, talk about blasphemous. I came across pornography for the first time when I was around age eight. Wow. So just at a shockingly young age. And that that average age is just getting younger and younger. I'm hearing people talk about five-year-olds, six-year-olds coming across pornography. And for my own story, I basically within a few months of kind of coming across it, seeing it a few more times, that turned into a full-blown addiction that went on for nearly a decade. And even though I grew up in a fantastic home where my parents talked to me about the dangers of pornography and, and about why that was wrong, even in that context, I the shame and the, I guess, in some ways, the curiosity of that, I kept in the dark for nearly a decade. So by God's grace, I was, uh, I was able to bring that into the light, bring that into uh, forgiveness, God's forgiveness, when I was hanging out with some older dudes and, you know, they were sharing about how God was working in their lives through a conference they had been to. And I just remember thinking, man, if you don't open up about this right now, if you don't confess your sin, you never will. And you'll keep remaining this hypocrite, this double lifestyle saying I'm Christian on one side and feeding an addiction to pornography in the dark on the other. And yeah, if, if you don't open about this now, you never will. And you'll keep remaining this hypocrite. So by God's grace, I confessed my sin to those brothers right there and really for the first time confessed my sin to God. And that was when I, I could point people back to and say, I could start saying in truth, 
I love the Lord. So yeah, from there, the Lord gave me freedom from pornography. It took time. It took a lot of work uh, through accountability and, and more confession. But yeah, this documentary really started, at least for me, through my own journey of finding freedom from pornography by the Lord's grace. Mm. I had such a, I had a similar experience, but yet a little different. You know, I had my mom um, talk to me a lot about pornography from a really young age and through her and by the grace of God, I never got hooked on pornography proper, uh, which is a rare story. That's something that very few of my peers can say. And I'm grateful for that. That's not my doing. I'm just grateful for, for that gift. But I was hooked on on masturbation for many years. So I was feeding that sexual fantasies in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that is just as sinful according to Jesus in, in Matthew 5. And so I had to also go through the process of, of really good brothers, good teaching, convicting me of that sin. And ultimately through through about a year of struggle, God freed me from an addiction to, to, to masturbation. And so, you know, something that was really helpful for both John Michael and I is that these really good books, um, Finally Free by Heath Lambert, Sexual Detox by Tim Challies. And I got the opportunity, you know, once God really helped me from this sin and I wanted to go to seminary to tell more people about the gospel, I got a chance to meet with one of these authors, this guy named Tim Challies. And, you know, I asked him about his book, Sexual Detox. And he said, you know, it's fine. It's a, it's a decent book. But, you know, sometimes I wonder, it's interesting that we have this video problem of pornography and in answer, we write books. Mm. You know, there might be a space for a counseling oriented video resource for people who are not readers. And that got my mind as as a cinematographer, as as a director, as a videographer, that got my mind whirling. And so I called Jamichael, who I've worked with on film projects before and said, hey, both of us deeply care about this problem, this pervasive problem of pornography. Is it possible that we can get some of these incredible authors who've written on this subject, get them in front of a camera and and create a video resource, a documentary to help fight this problem in the church? And ultimately, that's our vision is that people in the church, small groups, community groups might be able to use this as a resource to kind of start the conversation and work in community to tackle pornography together. And so, and then, yeah, we went through a year and a half of of film, the process of writing, of scripting. And through that process, we came to the conviction that we really want to offer this as a free resource for people. And so during last summer, we did a a crowdfunding campaign and Christians stepped up and people believed in the project. And we raised $85,000 in about six weeks over the summer. And we used that to be able to create this resource and to offer it for free for anyone, for churches, for families, for anyone who's struggling with pornography. And uh, it's a testimony to the goodness of God. We're really, really grateful for that. It's, it's already available on our website, uh, intolightdocumentary.com, free to stream. So pretty cool. Wow. That's amazing. That's free. And yes, I went to watch the, the documentary. And I love that you have, so it's divided into like six teaching sections, right? But then there's yep. also uh, like, like the main story with, with the beautiful images, right? For lack of better words. <laughs> Uh, interweave throughout the whole like six uh, teachings. And on the first teaching, what struck me the most, I mean, this is a resource for, uh, for Christian people, right? And, or people who are already like pursuing Christ and are struggling with, with pornography. But uh, I love the first person that 
speaks, his name is Jeremy Pierre, right? And he says, yeah. um, he says something along these lines that really struck me. He said, when you think about pornography, there's only like two ways to see it. it and one of them is like, you don't care that much about it. Or the other one is like, it's, it's sinful, right? And that struck mm. me because I, I think even for people that are, might be within the church, maybe it's not that big of a deal, right? And mm. I'm assuming some people will feel convicted and feel like, man, like I screwed up or like you're into, a, into a, uh, an addiction, right? Like you mentioned, Michael, like right. a, a complete addiction where it's like, I can't get out of this. And some other people might just see it like, well, the, this is the way my life is and no, I'm just, I'm just going to live with it. So what do you guys have to say in terms of like even your own experience, but maybe as you guys looked out for resources, reading books and then putting together this film mm. on 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 that perspective of like, is it always sinful to do this? Is is there a threshold maybe of sinfulness when it comes to uh, no sexual sin? What, what's your own experience or your vantage point when it comes to you know what to call it specifically as Christians? Yeah, just coming right out of the gate, uh, we believe that watching pornography is wrong. It is sinful to seek out pornography, and it's it's also helpful to distinguish like. Even in my own story, I would get into this sort of temptation of, well, oh, does this count as pornography? Like, mm. is full nudity uh, what pornography is and anything less than that? Well, that's not really pornography. So it's okay if I am seeing images like that. Honestly, we just have to reframe the conversation. And again, go back to what Jake referenced before in Matthew 5, what Jesus says, like, if you look at a, a woman with lust or a man with lust, that's committing adultery in your heart. That's just one of the root issues that's going on with pornography. And we have to dig deep down and get at those root issues. So it starts with just saying pornography is wrong for Christians, but also now we have to go deeper than that and say, what other idolatries are going on in my heart that I have to kill as well? And one of the best ways to really get your mind around why pornography is wrong is to understand what God designed sex for because mm. we're Christians. We were committed to the belief that God created sex as a good, beautiful thing. Right. And he, but he created it for a context for marriage. And if we are pursuing this good gift of sex, but outside of the way God designed it for, then we're just in, we're destined for trouble. And we have done a lot of reading on the addictiveness of pornography and how damaging it is. It leads to like, it leads to distrust in relationships. Mm. It leads to brokenness in the way men and women view each other. It leads to abuse. The re the, like, if you start looking at some of the data and how far some of these sins will press and keep pushing, because once mm. you break God's design, you keep going, you keep drifting. You keep going farther astray. And it's related to so many of the, the sexual, like even if you go just with pornography, the human trafficking side of it mm. is so damaging. And you participate in that when you start pursuing pornography. Mm. Honestly, there's so many lies that the devil will use to try to persuade you that it's not really a big deal. But like the first section of the documentary talks about the repercussions of watching pornography are huge. It affects you, affects your own mind and the way you perceive the world, but it also affects others. Like Jake was saying, whether it's 
through the people on the screen that are getting objectified and hurt or the sex trafficking that's going on, or even if you're married or there's you're dating, there, there are repercussions for watching pornography. And you have to start by being strong on that so that you can then come with the gospel hope that change is possible. There is freedom from mm. that. But if you don't take sin seriously first, then, then you can't offer the hope. I'll tell you a little, just sort of a, a, a bit of a perspective from my life is I was, again, I, I just leaned into the lust of masturbation. I didn't care. I just pushed into that. And so what that did over the years was it shaped my perspective on women. Because for me, because the main way I had been using women in my mind was simply for the physical side of things that became the only way I could view women just in the regular day-to-day of life. So I wasn't appreciating women for their character. Mm. I wasn't appreciating them for their godly good attributes. I had narrowed my focus. My sexual sin narrowed my focus so that I was primarily concerned with physicality. And that's the damage of porn. Porn reduces love, reduces intimacy, reduces connection, reduces all the beautiful things God designed marriage for to one thing. And that is, how does the physical serve me? It's so selfish. And and I was damaged by that. I had to spend a lot of time recovering and also learning to to, to heal and to, and to grow in that area. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot on that. And um, I love what you said, you know, that that we need to learn to take it seriously. And I think this is also mm. what uh, Deepak Reju was teaching on uh, chapter four, where he's saying, you know, take it serious, right? And he even mm. um, offers a few resources to help people struggling with, you know, if you if you see it on your phone, well, maybe you need somebody else to lock your phone for you so that anytime you need to download a new app, you know, you, you don't do it, you can do it. You have an accountability partner where you go to and they do it for you, right? If, if it's something like, it, it, like you said, right, in Matthew, like you need to cut it off, right? And mm. one way to do that is to actually say, if it's on my phone, well, maybe I, I shouldn't be the, the, the steward of my own phone, right? And, but it strikes me as, I mean, it's really painful and it really pains me to think that, that, the internet is full of pornography, right? Like it's the number one industry mm-hmm. in the world. So so when I think of that, it's like, wow, right now we're on the internet, right? Right now somebody is watching porn, right? And, and, and I feel like as much as I can bring a resource, a podcast, a video to talk about these matters, to think that even at eight years old, there can be material that is accessible for somebody to say, you know, to get hooked on, and that just that just pains me, you know. So even further, I mean, right now the the conversation is going to be like, how can we be free, right? But mm. at the same time, I feel like, can we battle this head on? Is there another way to battle this? To battle like, um, uh, are we becoming maybe callous to this, or why do we? Why is this happening to eight year old kids, right? Mm. It, it, do we live in a society that just doesn't care about sex anymore? Like, what's your own vantage point when it comes to maybe like that, uh, that maybe superficiality of 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 looking at sexual scene as like, well, maybe it's, it's not that a big deal, but from society, right? Not just from from a Christian worldview, but just from society, it's like it's the number one industry. Doesn't that mm. strike something in our minds? Like, 
that should be like the wrongest thing in the world. And it seems mm. like it's not. Yeah. Right? No, it like, I think the problem is we let our perception of sexuality be more shaped by the culture's understanding of sexuality and what that means to, uh, to, to desire things and to uh, be men and women. We let the culture shape us more than what the Bible says. And that has totally destroyed so many people's lives. And I just, I just encourage people to be aware that phones, devices, these are great goods. These are, like you're saying, you can host amazing podcasts like this one that are combating, that are offering hope, that are offering the gospel. And at the very same time, the same medium can be used by the devil to offer pornography and destroy so I just, we need to be very wise about the technology that we have, especially like with eight-year-olds, young, like young children need to have protected devices because they're not even strong enough yet to know how to handle that. So it, it, often it starts out as curiosity or even frankly, as an accident, like some of these, the porn industry uh, will use ads or use like common looked up phrases by kids that are like totally innocuous but linked to a porn site as a way to hook someone at a very young age into pornography. So it's, it's terrible. It's insidious, but this is how it starts for so many people at a very young age. And part of being that being wise, responsible Christians, wise, responsible parents is knowing your enemy. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, uh, Biro, it's like the, I think I read somewhere. I'm pretty sure this is correct. That the porn industry is bigger than all, all major sports industries combined. That is inc- that is insane. So Upwards of 30% of all internet traffic at any given point is pornography. You think about that, that dwarfs YouTube. And so, and you need to know that the money that is behind this is a huge factor. And so when, you, you know, we can say kind of easy, cheap things like they're coming for your children. And that sounds scary, but that's also very real because the porn industry is trying to get customers as early as possible. And so we can't be passive about that. Mm. That should make every, you know, it's particularly because we're talking about young kids that should make every parent pause and say, there is a multi-trillion dollar industry genuinely interested in trapping my children in a pattern of sin that will carry them on through the decades Mm. as a client. And you need to be careful. You need to be prepared for that. And then ultimately, as Christians, we believe that maybe there's a multi-trillion dollar company behind it, but there are spiritual forces behind that who are mm-hmm. interested in much more than the dollar value of, of children, but they're interested in the spiritual value of your children. And we need to be alert and, and wise about that. So I love what like a group like Covenant Eyes is doing. Uh, there's other ones like Truple and, and, and others, but just giving Christians tangible ways to safeguard their homes and and mm. to keep out uh pornography in a safe way well still uh we need to be able to use the internet uh, as people so that's just a company that I, I really appreciate what they're doing wow that's so good and yeah thanks for offering um well your own story you know and your own mm. vantage point i think it brings a lot to the table to say to be able to say um know the enemy and be on your guard, but then at the same time, I feel like you guys offer a point of view of hope that I think yeah. 
even for people who are who might be in the midst of it, right, struggling and and maybe feel defeated, right, mm. to think that you guys have a story of overcoming this, right? And of course, I mean, it's there's there's God involved and there's other people involved in in overcoming, but at the same time, that just the hope of like you can be free from this, right? So mm. let's talk about a little bit of um, how do you guys find that that um. I don't know what. So if if it's an addiction, right? The first thing that happens when somebody's an addict is to recognize that you are prey to your own desires, right? So what was that like for you guys? When when did you guys have that um that that glimpse of of uh, common sense? I don't know what it was, but maybe the Holy Spirit. Mm. But when did you guys have that spark that said, "Okay, this is this is wrong. I I need out of this." And what was it like for you guys? Mm. You know, like just in my own story, I think from very early on, like I knew that pornography was wrong. I, I, I knew that it was against what God wanted for me. It was damaging to me, but I, I wanted it more still. And kind of what I shared a little bit before that didn't change until the conviction of the Holy Spirit at that time when I was in my parents' garage, talking to those friends. And I just felt convicted over my sin in a way that was different from before. Before I felt, I felt some forms of conviction, but honestly, it was mostly just like, I don't like the consequences. If I could have had my way, it's like, oh, I'll watch pornography and I can be a good Christian. I'm sorry. They just, they can't go together. And I was, I hated the consequences. I didn't actually hate my sin. Mm -hmm. And what changed at that point when I was 16 in my parents' garage was that for the first time, I think I properly hated the sin and wanted to know and love Jesus more than pornography. And it's not like, boom, instantly my life changed and I never looked at pornography again. That was when my journey started to have like an upward, upward climb rather than constantly spiraling downwards more and more into hypocrisy, darkness, and drinking the poison of pornography on my own. And I, I had it, you know, there was a, a particular conference I went to and one of the pastors said, you know, he said out there in, in, a, in a certain way, a certain style of preaching, he said, there are people out there who have one sin. They're holding on to one sin. And you know what that is. And I thought to myself, you know, I've been pushing that away. I've been like, I, you know, I said in a very simplistic way, the Bible doesn't say anything about pornography there or sorry about masturbation specifically. Therefore, it's okay. Mm. Now I need to have better, I need to have better theology. I needed to understand what Jesus was saying about looking with lust. I need to understand what marriage was for, but because I didn't do that work and I didn't really talk to wiser, older people about this, but I always knew. And then when he called that out, that's when I knew I said, I needed to deal with this. And so for me, what was one of the most beautiful things about it was once I started, you know, committing myself to trying to fight this sin. And then I would get three, four days, then five, six days, then a couple weeks free and then, you know, fall again. But those days, those stretches where I, I was walking in freedom was incredible. Walking in integrity was incredible. Walking with my head held high with gratitude to God, that sense of peace, that sense of freedom, that sense of healing, the sense of looking at my brothers in Christ and encouraging them to fight sin was this 
unbelievable experience. And Mm -hmm. I started growing in other areas of my life in integrity and honesty. And when you have this community, because that's the key to fighting this sin is community of guys walking alongside each other and, and being able to be there for each other and be honest with each other was this incredible experience. And you can't have that honesty, that relational, that, that community, that integrity, that brotherhood, brotherhood in in our sense as, as men, you can't have that when you're giving into your sin in the quiet, in the dark alone. And so I don't, it's hard. It's really hard when you're in the middle of pornography to see that. But once you start experiencing that, experiencing what it's like mm-hmm. to walk in integrity, it's intoxicating. It's wonderful. And ultimately just for me, my love for how good and how beautiful God is has grown so much. And even as I start understanding more about how beautiful God designed sex for and marriage for, I now love that reality and appreciate that reality so much that so much more because I'm not actively breaking that design. And so I'm, you know, we serve a really big God and I just grow more and more grateful for who he is as, you know, as I walk to the best of my ability, stumbling sometimes in, in holiness. You know, I think this is kind of why we wanted to title the documentary into the light, mm-hmm. starting with the simple yet difficult step of bringing your sin from the dark into the light of community and ultimately into the light of God's uh, purity. And I just think that's, that is the beginning. That's the very first step that you need to take. And I think the transition point from dark into light is hating your sin enough to accept the consequences of what it means to tell others and to confess it to God. So that's, that's why we start with Jeremy Pierre's chapter as the very first part of the documentary. Um, and that's why we titled it this. And you know this from from having watched the documentary, and you clearly have paid very close attention. We start with the problem of sin, but we move to hope very quickly. That's right. You know, Jenny Solomon talks about like the love that Jesus has for broken sinners. Mm. And we go through then some strategies and tactics, but it ultimately ends with with Garrett Kell, where he off he paints this beautiful portrait of living in holiness and ultimately looking forward to to that glorious rest we have with Jesus in, in, in the eternal kingdom. And so man, as Christians, like that's like, praise God, hallelujah. That's the hope we have. That's, mm. that's incredible. Wow. There's that's so good. And yeah. So I love the title into the light. And mm. like you said, right. Uh, I think, I mean, it's in scripture where it says, you know, once you bring whatever darkest you have inside of you into the light, it no longer holds any darkness, right? It's all out in the open. So what a way to almost like dissipate darkness, right? Like confession. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to include real quick, um, like a little bit of my own journey. And um, I don't want to make it about me, right? Because I want to hear from you guys. But just in the context of what we're talking about, like there was a time where me and my wife confessed to each other, kind of like the, the sexual scene. And it was in the, on the topic of masturbation, right? But there was so much freedom on the other end of that. But the confessing mm. part was hard, right? The confessing mm. part was not easy. The, the, the coming with maybe your shame, your, I don't know what you're going to think of me, right? And to bring that into the light, it, it was hard. But once you do that, then it holds no power. Then mm. it's like... It's what else, right? I already said it. <laughs> what right. else can happen? You know, and the consequences will be the consequences. 
But once you liberate yourself from that um, maybe secrecy, right, of your own sin, then it's exposed. Then it, it no longer has power on you. Then it's almost like up to the community to to come around you and say, okay, we can deal with this together. It's no longer just you dealing with this, right? And totally. in a sense, it's almost like <laughs> like saying, I need help. But uh, it, there's a lot of trust in doing that, right? Because when you confess, in a sense, you are, mm-hmm. you're being vulnerable to, to that group of people. And it could turn maybe, right? Maybe some people could argue, I don't know if I tell you my sin and it could turn into, uh, I don't know, a bad outcome. So what's, what's your experience when it comes to like bringing it, um, like confession, confessing your sin? What is your experience of that? Um, maybe Did you experience freedom? What was it like for you guys? I think this is why James 5.16 says, confess your sin to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. Like there's, there's passages like this that talk about the deep connection between confessing sin in the context of the church community and the process of healing and finding freedom. And it's, it's almost, it's been a while now I've, I've shared my story. I think it's like an asset that God has given me uh, to inspire others to confess their sin for the first time. But yeah, the first time opening up, I thought about it for a long time. I was like, man, it's like, what are these guys going to think about me? Uh, what does it mean to, to finally be open? I've been hiding this for so long. So all the fears and the lies of the devil telling me that, oh, people are going to hate you for this. People are going to reject you for this. None of that was true. And, and I want to qualify that not everyone will have, when you confess this, not everybody's going to react well. Some people will be shocked. Some people may just try to shove it under the carpet, but it really is foundational. It begins with confessing your sin. And, and honestly, I, w- I always give people this advice, go to the most godly person, you know, and confess it to them. Cause if you confess it to some of your peers, they might not know how to react. They may not have thought through what does it mean to, to hear someone confessing sin to me. And maybe they're embarrassed and awkward. Maybe they struggle themselves. So I'll just say, start with confessing to maybe an older, uh, mature Christian brother or sister and, and, and begin with that. Cause it, it is scary, but it gets easier as it goes along. Hmm. Mm, so good. Okay. So one, maybe one of my last questions is around this idea that, um, I think some people, this is kind of like what culture says, right? And we could maybe say this is what the devil says the the lies of the enemy right in a sense it's when it comes specifically to sexual sin is you are not broken right so i think there's a cultural view that if if you say something sinful they say no 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 you are not broken that's that's almost like part of you that's part of your identity Right? Mm. Um, do you guys see that happening too in our call? Is is it just me, or uh, do you guys have you guys experienced even maybe somebody utilizing this phrase? Right? Like you are not broken. Mm. You know, you are God. Even like maybe God made you that way. Right? Whichever mm. whichever scene you want to put in front of you. Right? Mm. I am. Uh, you know, I, I think this is getting this right is part of what makes Christianity and loving God so beautiful is because we don't have to be afraid of saying we're broken 
we we once were dead in our sins. Mm. This is, you know, this like this is something that God hates. And you can be very strong with how you stand against how bad sin is. And we can be strong because on the other hand, we have a big God who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And and right there, right in front of you is the gift of salvation, of renewal, of being cleansed from your sin. And once that is your reality, once you've put your faith in Jesus, then sin has no power over you anymore. You do not belong to the devil. You are renewed, made alive Mm. in Christ. And that's your identity. No one can take that away from you. That is who you are in Christ. And so, there's that already not yet tension, right? We There's still sin. You know, James talks about if anyone says that he has no sin, he's a liar. But your primary identity is still as a cherished son or daughter of, of God. But even as you have that identity, that doesn't excuse us from taking sin seriously. Mm. And there is still a sense in which we are marred, we are broken. And even though we retain that, we keep that new identity, that renewal that God gives us, there's still that sin that clings so closely to us. And so I, I like, I don't know, I, I know what you're saying, right? People want to kind of find a middle ground. And I prefer to have both extremes, an extreme hatred of how bad sin is and an extreme love for how big God is and how much he loves us and, and how big our new identity is in him. I don't know. What do you think about that? Or Michael? I, I just think this is why the documentary you, you pointed out uh, Beto, is that there's a tone of hope across mm. this. Mm. We pick up with, we start with the the sin and the destruction of pornography, but we want to move to the hope. It's it's a recognition that, yes, I'm a, I am have sin, but in Christ, I have a new identity. I have a new sonship. And when I, when I go back to the ways of pornography, that's actually, that's like, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation. And I look towards that. This is Garrett Kell's even chapter at the end of the documentary talking about our hope in eternity. We can look towards that hope as who we truly are today. And that is, that is hopeful. And that is, that's got to be the overall tone of our pursuit of change. Wow. So good. I love that. I love, um, First, the fact that you guys are doing a visual resource, in a sense, right, mm-hmm. to, to a problem that's very about our eyes. And mm-hmm. um, I love that because I was reading a book long ago. This was like before social media started, and it was called Homo Videns by a Spanish author. And it was basically about how everything was going to become about visual something, some sort of like a visual representation of culture, right? So in this case, he was talking about a little bit of that, um, you know, moving away from books into mm-hmm. maybe videos or teaching videos and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And who would have thought, right, that 25 years later, that was going to become like that prophecy was going to be fulfilled in like everything mm-hmm. is video. It's in our hands, right? It's in our phones, like right in front of us. And to yeah. think that as a society, we moved from from you know talking to each other face to face and maybe seeing being being different right i mean whatever it looked like before sin is sin but to being in a in a relationship with sin like in front of our eyes like in our hands in a de- through a device 
right into our minds and and to think that you guys are producing something to battle that on that same realm right on the realm of video mm. on the realm of of Be mm. visual beauty and I love that you know so I highly recommend the people that are watching and that are either struggling or know somebody who's struggling to go check out this free resource I mean that's already epic that you guys raised thousand dollars to to put this together for free for anybody mm. that's undergoing um, this battle right on their own So that's amazing. I praise God for what he's doing through you guys. Uh, your story, it's impacting people, right? Not just through the documentary, mm. but through talking to people about the freedom that you guys mm. have encountered. And it looks, I mean, to me, it looks sincere, right? The ways you guys, the ways, the way you guys talk about uh, pursuing Christ and pursuing holiness, it looks legit, right? It doesn't seem like you guys are faking it and Why would you guys be faking it anyways, right? I mean, if if right. if this industry is thriving already on the opposite end, right? It's not like you mm. guys are saying, no, this is my way to make money. You guys are offering a free resource, right? So I feel like, wow, what an authentic way to proclaim the good news. I mean, mm. do you think it's it's possible to help your kids not engage with it at all, like not engage with pornography and um, at all through your guidance or because you said, I mean, you kind of grew up in, in a Christian home, right? And mm. ended up yeah. um, like falling it, prey to it in a sense. Yeah. So he, here's what my conviction is. Your children will see pornography. They will see it. They will encounter it. That is mm. without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. But your children will have the chance to interact with that in a variety of different ways. And mm. if they know how bad it is they know the consequences and and you've have and you have that relationship of trust and talking it's possible that they'll make a choice to close that window to shut it down and come and talk to you about it that's hard it's a big ask it's it's, it's a scary world but i never got addicted to pornography proper because my mom spent a lot of time talking to me about the dangers mm -hmm. of it before i ever encountered it And so I knew what that, I, when I saw it, I knew what it was and I knew I shouldn't watch it and, and I sent it away. So that's hard. It's difficult. Eh? It's, it's a complex world. It's hard to know all the technologies involved, right? With like Covenant Eyes and Disney Circle and all the blockers. And and so we, we hope to, I mean, like, man, we hope to, we, we're still working on securing the funding for it, but if we can do it, we're really looking forward to building this, this resource for parents, especially to, to really get a handle on the topic. So we're really excited about it. Well, and I think there's like, you're hitting some of like the core foundational truths up for parents. You can't control what your kid does. Mm. You can't control their heart, but that doesn't mean that there aren't like just really foundational things that parents should do. Mm. Even just like we talked a bit on, on the podcast about not just having open devices lying around with mm. no blocker, no accountability with it. It's like, that's just a simple thing that parents can do is get something like covenant eyes on it. So you get screenshots and you know uh, if they if they come across something for the first time. And there's all sorts of other kinds of counseling principles, but that's kind of what we hope to encapsulate in an episode series for for parents in 2023. Wow. Wow. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, man. So no, I want to go back to my emojis and this is what we're going to do. Uh-oh. So whichever wants to take the emoji... This is how it's gonna go. We are gonna go from blasphemous to divine. And you can add new ideas or you can base it off on 
the conversation that we've had so far. Okay, so the first one is the blasphemous emoji. So from your vantage point, what is the worst idea out there when it comes to bringing sin into the light or the idea of pornography? You can be a Christian and still watch pornography. It's not quite that bad. That is the most blasphemous idea out there. All right. That's my point. <laughs> Love it. Okay, next one is skeptical emoji. Why are you still skeptical of or where do you see skepticism played out in this conversation? I've seen people skeptical over and over that this problem is for women as well, that women mm. also struggle with pornography. And you said it right away, women struggle with porn too. It's not just a guy's problem. And I still see people over and over being skeptical that that's actually a reality. That's why we included two incredible women biblical counselors in this so that they can talk to women as women. And that's why we included a story of a man and a woman who both struggled with pornography because we want every woman to know that if you struggle with sin, you are worthy of the same grace offered to men to in the same salvation found in Jesus. Hmm. Inspired emoji. So let's talk about that hope. Man, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like the hope that God gives us. There's nothing like this. Well, you were dead in your sins, yet Christ loved us. Like that, and God sent his son to die for us. We didn't deserve this. We didn't earn this, but God loved us with a great love and, and did this incredible, unthinkable thing of sending his own son to fully take on the consequences of our sin. And that's not just some idea. That allows us through the work of the Holy Spirit, actual renewal, actual change. And we can walk in actual, legitimate, tangible holiness. And that's something that is boots on the ground, practical. And then that allows us to then love people in the same way which we've been loved by such a great God. Come on, there's, there's nothing like that. Amen. A holy idea. Holy idea. Do you have anything, Jermichael? <laughs> Is it a holy idea that that you could be holy? That's incredible. <laughs> wow. I don't think most I don't know how many people think about that. You can be holy. And, and it and it's not quite the same. It's not, it's not God's holiness, that's for sure. But especially even now, we stumble towards that eternal day. But you can look forward to a day, one day, if you're a Christian, if you are one with Christ, if you've been born again, where one day you will never sin again. You will not be tempted to sin again. You will have attained a holiness like unto God's. And that's, man, that's a holy thought. Absolutely. And lastly, so to top that, I don't know how you're going to top that, <laughs> but a divine idea. I would point people to Garrett Kell's final chapter that one day we look to a final hope when Christ will return. And I believe it's in Peter that it says, when he returns, we will see him and we will be like him. And honestly, if you're feeling discouraged right now in your fight for purity in your battle against porn take a hold of that promise take a hold of that truth that one day 
when Christ returns, you will see him and you will be like him and we will have fellowship with him for eternity. No more desire for pornography. No more falling again and again and hurting other people around you. No more despair, no more shame. It's freedom and beholding Christ. good my friends that was epic thank you so much um rate this episode share it with a friend give us a positive review wherever you're listening or watching this episode and my friends jacob and michael where can people find this free resource again can you point people to it on your maybe your website or where everyone point people to yeah couple spots to go to go to our website into the light documentary.com Our podcast, the documentary, and the video series are all free on the website. And also follow us on Instagram at Into the Light Documentary, and you can see little clips and what's kind of going on as we as we produce more stuff. The only final plug I have is like if you watch the documentary and you're inspired by the documentary, we're in the process of creating more video resources, specifically video resources for parents who are struggling to have to know how do you parent your kid through pornography? What resources sources are out there? So if God has blessed you financially and you are inspired by the documentary, which is free and always will be free, maybe consider donating because we want to do this again and, and do more of this. So that's just a thought. <laughs>